Yeah, people also in our actors, little plays we can do. But talk to first because we, one thing I like to do and I really want to do, everyone says for a long, long time, we want something different. We don't want same old church. We don't want same old, same old, same old. But as much as I've heard that, I find people are very resistant to change. Uh, they can talk about it all day long. You do one thing different, and they think, oh, it's not church. You know, <laughs> I've heard so many times, I've heard about this place. Uh, that's not church. They don't do it the way I've always seen it done. I like that. I want to do things differently. I want to be open for experiments. So let God do something fresh. That's an, that's an expression. I like that. I want, want to try We'll see how it works. One day we can maybe move with it totally spontaneous. Right now we're going to run it through Marsha uh, and Tom just to see what we're doing, kind of uh, orchestrate it a little bit, make sure it comes in order. But I think as we would grow in something like that, we'd have more freedom to do it, more in a free flow, which is where we want to be. Uh, but until then, we don't want to blow everybody out the door. <laughs> yeah, people don't like change so much, but breakthrough's coming. I want to talk a little bit about breakthrough and what I think God's doing right now. I took you through a long period of time that a lot of people had a little problem with, and it was called testing and trials. And God has done a lot of that recently with a lot of you in a lot of your lives. But I'm here to give you good news. Those are about over, I believe. Not that you'll ever stop having those because that's how we become into maturity and become more like him. But I think we're at a breakthrough point. We're about, it's just like it's something that's penetrating, just about ready to break through the membrane. It's a lot of pressure at that time. There's a lot of pressure right now, but I'm beginning to see some breakthrough. Usually God does to me first what he's going to do to everyone else. He's always done a kind of a forerunner that way. And a lot of you are that way too. So you may be already experiencing the same. I hope so, because God wants to bring breakthrough. It's a good day coming. But the breakthrough is because we're going to need to have it, because it's also kind of a dark day on the earth right now. Uh, finances, uh, the economics of America are, are making a really downturn. Uh, whether that'll be a real major long-term downturn, I don't know. But I know it's going to be for some time. We're, so it's, things are going to be a little bit harder. Uh, uh, now, one of the things, when it becomes harder, the tendency is to pull back from your giving. Don't do that. That's not the time to do that, believe me. You need to give during that. You know, I never talk about money. So if you've ever been before, you've never heard a message about money, which one day I will give, because <laughs> we do need to know more about it. But it's going to be hard, some hard economic things coming our way, and it's going to be increased darkness on this earth with, with what the world is doing. Now, that's not lousy news, but it's also good news, because we know where the greater the darkness, the greater the light. And that's the good news. We know we have a great God. And when we go through the darker times and the harder times, the greatest joy comes. And that's the experience we feel. We feel a greater joy as we're able to go through those things. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit now. And this days of darkness and uh, the enemy's great desire to lead us astray. Over the last couple years here and over the last quite a few years, I've seen a trend happen that, that, that is always, I just kind of shook my head at. Uh, and usually it came in a form like this. God's telling me to do this. And they get really excited about what God's telling them to do. And they end up stepping off into something that I really never thought God was doing, but I let people go their own way, you know, so they'll learn. But I really feel prompted to talk about it, about how 
we make the mistakes in our hearing, how we make mistakes and go the wrong direction, how we make mistakes that we think are truly God and then get mad at Him because He didn't do what we thought He said. So I want to kind of explore that. I don't know how far I'm going to get today because we kind of ran short, but I want to explore what that is. And I'll kind of go through it, and then I'll probably go back through it a couple different times from a couple different angles. Because I've made a lot of mistakes in the last 35 years of life uh, in the Lord. I'm not 35 years old. <laughs> but, but I've been a Christian for 35 years, so that makes me a lot older. And, and in that, I've learned a few things along the way. Because I haven't walked after God. I've really ran after God as hard as I can run for most of all that 35 years. And so in doing that, I ran into a few walls. Because one thing about God is he loves to change the direction as you're going down the way. You think you got it straight and you think you got it good and things are going, he turns the corner over and over and over again. And he's turned a lot of corners and I've smashed into a lot of walls. So in doing that and in watching other people do that, I decided to, you know, okay, God, what goes? Why are people missing so much? Why do people think they hear God? And I'll tell you, there's a direct relation to the louder they think they hear God, usually the bigger the air. That doesn't seem to make sense. But the louder they hear God, the more they're. It's not always that way. I heard God very loud to come out of Orange County and move here about nine years ago. Heard it very, very loud. My wife heard it very, very loud. And it was correct. And everything went wrong in doing it. But the Lord told me, don't look on the reasons why not. Just listen to what I'm saying. And I was sure it was Him. Because I'd made mistakes the opposite way before. But generally, as a rule, the louder you hear it, the, the louder, the bigger chance it is being not from God. Why? You know, we, we see in Jeremiah, uh, uh, it says, uh, let me see, Jeremiah 17, 9, it says, The heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Why did he say that? Why is the heart deceitful? Why, why is the thing that, 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 that the things we think we hear in our heart not are always accurate? I think it has a lot to do with what we expect of God. We seem to expect of God a real loud voice, but in the scriptures we see over and over again, it's a still quiet voice. That's, I mean, the big moves of God, you know, with Moses, with all this, it was a still quiet voice. Uh, that's how he normally speaks. Well, what's the other stuff? What is the stuff we've been trained with? Well, I, I look around. And I've seen some kind of bad modeling and also some bad teaching. And I really note that people may talk about hearing God a little bit, but they really don't talk about really how to hear God other than maybe read your word. And there's a couple of uh, positions that people usually take in this process on hearing God that, that are seemingly quite different from one another. So, the first one I would kind of talk about is an intellectual view of God. It's more f- found in some of the more fundamental or especially uh, uh, high churches and that is an intellectual understanding of God. And that usually goes something like this. You've got to memorize Scripture. You have to memorize as much Scripture. Because the idea with this is to try to get the Scriptures in your heart. This actually ends up in your mind very often. 
Now, I don't want to knock this because it's a very good thing to memorize scriptures. It's a very good thing to have an understanding of scriptures. It's part of what you have to have to hear God, but it's not a whole. Unfortunately, that side is usually overemphasized. They would actually put the word with a big capital W because it's right next to, we have a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Word of God. It's really like that. And it's really not of God. Do we suppose it is, it is the God-breathed Word? Yes, it is. But it's not one of the entities. It's the written Word. It's part of the puzzle, but not all of it. And people that try to approach it by the Word and the understanding of the Word miss very often because the understanding they have is based upon what they know, what they understand, or what they've been taught. It's not necessarily God. But they, they, they go on the Word. Now, how does this, how do, how do you see error in that? Well, I see a lot of it. I see most every expert in the Word of God missed Jesus when he came. Why did they miss Jesus? They didn't know him. There's only two in the scriptures that recognized him at his first coming, and actually the, the wise men. Uh, but really, of the Jewish nation, there was two. There was Anna and uh, what was his name? I can't remember. The, Simeon. Simeon, yes. Were the two that recognized him. Why did they recognize him? There's nothing in the scriptures that talked about them being these experts on the, on, on the, on the word, the law. They were ones at the temple all the time praying. They were the one who recognized them. The ones that knew all about them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were experts, experts in the law, missed them, missed them bad, because they leaned on their own understanding. They leaned on the things they were taught. They leaned upon uh, what they expected those scriptures to mean. Now, we have the great ability to have hindsight and we look back and we say, oh yeah, that meant that. Oh yeah, if you would have saw that. But you know what? Those were impossible to see without the Spirit of God. They were impossible. You would never get that out of it. You would uh, you could look at that all day long. You would not get that out of it by intellectual understanding. But yet we still try. Many people still try. Now I love reading scriptures. I've spent Thousands, thousands, thousands of hours. Haven't memorized any of them yet. My memory's so bad. But the heart of them I do have. I do understand what it's saying. I do know what the heart and what the breath of what's God saying there. And it's powerful. It's a very, very, very important part. But it's not the whole. So people that approach God on an understanding level are going to miss Him. They missed Him then. They're going to miss him today, and they'll miss him on his return. Because it will not be how they think it's going to be. I don't know of anybody that at all, there's no prophecy at all, of, of that had it together, this is how it's going to come. Some said a few words, you know, like a suffering servant, and different things that they had no clue, <laughs> I don't think, that they were going to talk about Jesus. Someone come as a baby, totally helpless, uh, uh, no ability to take care of himself uh, in a stable uh, uh, can't even get a place to live having the lowest type of thing to, to a carpenter's son or whoever he was I don't. nobody had that nobody had that idea so they would have missed it by what they understood the other extreme and it's extreme because remember how I, I'm trying to teach you guys it's tensions in the Bible 
It's the pull of two things. It's not one or the other. Most things are tensions. The other is, a, is more uh, an emotional por- approach, an experience. Very important, too. It's how they feel. You know, uh, the trouble with it is, is very often, is they, it's how they, what they remember God did in the past to them. And so, therefore, they have an experience with God where God moves up on them, and they're always waiting for that same experience. And when that same experience kind of lines up, they're having an experience with God. Problem is, God dwells in the now, not in the past. Though we all, He dwells in the past and the future, but your access in the now. You can't have Him by what you look back. You can't have Him by looking forward. You have to find Him right now. So the experience thing very often has that uh, thing of going by what is the emotions in their life. What are they feeling? Well, God is a person, and His Holy Spirit is a person, and He does have a presence, and just as you have someone with a presence, there is a feeling that goes along with it. It's a very, very good part of the guide for God, but it's not all the guide for God. You know, it's, it's the awareness that God exists. Is that working over there? Yeah. Uh, it's awareness that God exists and He's there, and sometimes He feels you, uh, with a, just a sweet taste of him. Sometimes he makes you excited. Sometimes he makes you cry. Sometimes he makes you laugh. Sometimes he makes you do all kinds of different things. Things that we don't even, probably haven't even seen yet today. He makes us do. And a lot of times we see that and we'll see somebody get really excited and they'll be really moved a lot. And we think, wow, how spiritual. But very often the things you see is just how the Spirit of God's reaction on a man's uh, our woman's personal life, their wholeness, their brokenness, their personality, all the different things. But we see that and we think, wow, that's God. But that's not God either. That's part of who God is. Because God is truth, and that makes him the word. And he is spirit, and that makes him the feelings that go along with it. But in, in what we see a lot today in, in churches is a kind of hyper thing to get people's emotions really stirred. Now, when you stir your emotions really well, just like if I was to hit a hammer on your finger or stick it under a torch or give some type of pleasure, you're real sensitive to that, and you can feel really well. And so very often, uh, people will kind of mess, pastors will kind of mess with your feelings to get them up there so you're sensitive. So when you feel that presence, you'll react to it because you kind of miss it sometimes. God is so subtle sometimes. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes it's so strong you can't miss it. But it's often he's so subtle. And very often it starts in a small thing. Very often he says, don't despise the small things because that's how he begins to move. And he wants you to be able to sense him in the small times and the great times and be able to take you from a place of just quietly hearing that voice to a real move with him. But he wants you to catch the wave of it, the presence of it, to be able to be, see what's going on. But what happens often is that people are stirred. Now, I've watched the, some of the old prophetic guys, and a lot of them would just hang around for a while, and they just kill time up there talking until God would show up. They would sit up there. I, I remember, I don't want to mention his name, but one of, the, one of the guys, that really, really powerful prophetic guys, and he would just kill time. Until God would show up. I remember another one, Bobby Connors, who's who's around now a lot, and uh, you know I've seen him play games with candy, until God showed up. 
he'd make jokes and play around. He'd ask about it later. He says, you know, like, what am I going to do? I don't have anything. We've got to wait till God comes here. But I've also seen the other people will stir people up. Now, I've watched this Lakeland thing, which I think God's there. And it's a mix like every place else. And I've watched it both ways. I've watched at times where God showed up and they just clicked right in and followed it and moved along. And I've seen at times when God didn't show up right away and they kind of jacked you up to get you there. It works, though. It gets you there. When you get that sensitivity thing and somebody tunes you into this and, and you get pressed uh, up and your emotions up, you will feel them. And sometimes your emotions will carry away. And God is a God that loves his children and loves his word and shows up. There's a problem with that way of doing it, in my opinion. That problem goes like this. Our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will is defined. Our mind, emotions, or will. When we fell, that spirit died. When we were born again, God's spirit came in and revived it. And at that point when he revived it, it was justified once and for all. It was taken care of. It's, we're covered. But the process of sanctification was a process that goes along, and it takes a while. So when we, we're trained to hear by our emotions, if we line it up with what happened in the past or what we want, very often we can get stirred in the wrong way. Well, that's all fine by people like uh, that Lakeland and other pastors and stuff. They aren't leading you down a wrong road. They want you to have God and experience God, and that's a fine thing. But what the problem I have with it is it teaches people that when they want something, when they have a will for something, you know, and their emotions are stirred, that it's God. And you would not believe the stories I've heard from people, why they have moved to here, why they've done that. Uh, uh, I remember one, one couple, they sat down, and I, I mean, they had like a pages of all this notes of what God said to them. A page of them. Wow. None of it was God. I don't believe. The direction they were going was totally out of what God was doing with them. It was the easy way out, but it was out of what God was doing to them. Sensitivity to what God's saying is we have to learn how to hear his presence. And I have some things that, I, that I've been spending some time with God that actually really are new to me, my understanding. It really surprised me about hearing God and how you hear God. I've kind of, you know, over the years, through trial and error, learned to hear him. Do I always hear right? No. I never will always write until I'm with him. We see him perfectly. You know, we look through a glass that's dim, you know. We don't fully understand all the things. But I do have an understanding of him from time that, that's served me fairly well. And it doesn't go by just the emotions. See, let me, you know what rationalization is? I'm going to see if I can read that. Rationalism, you ever heard what that is? Rationalism is a philosophy, the theory that exercise of reason rather than experience, authority, or spiritual revelation, providing the primary basis of knowledge. So very often we'll find with, with the people that are uh, intellectually is a rationalization type of idea. And the people that are, that are sensitive to God's spirit, and I'm going to talk about, about being sensitive to them, is very often emotionalism. Both those two things can kind of work together, but independently don't work well at all. 
And there's a lot of other things in, in the mix that, that, that God has shown me that has really surprised me. Now, I may step on a few toes with what I'm saying here. I hope not. Love me enough to see me through this thing. But what I've seen for so long with so many people had to make me take a look. Why? Why is this happening to people? Why? Why are they missing so badly? Crash and burn so hard? Because you see, when you've learned to be stirred by the things in your soul, which is what happens when you do with emotionalism, which is not all bad, because we have a spirit that has impregnated our soul and made us redeemed. So very often to be correct, but if you, if you hear God through a filter of your intellect, your mind, you're going to miss. If you're going to hear just through what you're feeling, you're going to miss. But somehow there has to be a combination of two. Now, do I think that God shows up and people laugh and have a good time? Oh, bet. You bet. But it's got to be a reaction to him showing up, not the forerunner to it. And that's the difference I often see. You know, there's two hills. There's that, uh, that, that uh, the hill of the, the rigid, you know, just the word, and we're having no feelings, no emotions, or anything else. And the thing is that of all, whatever God does, and whatever God feels, whatever feels good, both are extremes. There's a tension between the two of them that brings the truth. Does that sometimes, sometimes it's way over here by the emotions? You bet it is. Is it sometimes way over here by just the word of God? You bet it is too. How do you know the difference? That's what I have to talk to you about and try to show you the difference between the two. And I, I think I'm just going to fill in a little bit more on this and then pick up that next week because of the time. But God has brought some things up to be able to see that are plumb lines. One of them, obviously, is your emotions and how God strikes you, the feelings, the feeling part. One of them is also, obviously, the word. But there are other ones to bring these things out. But what I want to do is try to help you bring to maturity that you would not be fooled. You know, sometimes we're fooled by the enemy, sometimes we're just fooled by our own heart. You see, if, 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 it's, the, if it's the mind, the things, the way you think God's going to speak or do, how you think he's going to act, or the will, I want God to move so much that it blinds the mind and the emotions, or the emotions blind so much that the mind doesn't work properly, and the will doesn't work properly. All of those, any one of those three will empower the other. And when they empower the other, they cloud your sight. So you have to have something else as a plumb line to get you through. Something else so you don't miss. The people that I've seen have missed so much, it's, it's because, you know, on, on, on certain things, going things, or this, or a person, or a husband, or, I mean, I can't, tell you how many different areas that is or move or, or, or this thing or that thing. It's what they didn't what they weren't able to distinguish is their own heart, what they wanted from what God was doing. See, we can't have it on our heart. Our heart has to be transformed. One of the things what happens with redemption is this. He redeems those things in us. Remember what it says? By the renewing of your mind, you know, he changes our mind, doesn't he? He changes the way we think. When we're saved, our thinking changes. What else changes? Our will. Does he not change our will? Isn't it about having a different will, his will? 
emotions. Isn't it about having the love of God for people? And it's other things as well. See, that is a sanctified or more mature, healed up, restored soul. But our souls aren't all that well sometimes. And when when we see examples that exonerates the one side or the other, whether it's the emotional or, or the understanding, we're confused. We're confused on what really is God and what isn't. In these days that are coming, it is essential that you know the difference. You know, it says that, uh, that when the final deception comes, it says, you know, and maybe, or it kind of leads you to leave, maybe even his elect can be deceived. Do you want to be deceived? No, nobody in here wants to be. So we have to learn the difference. And we have to learn, uh, you know, I was at a church one time and, you know, he would want, this particular pastor would want you to go, do, you know, nothing wrong with, hear me on this, there's nothing wrong with doing amen and get excited with stuff. But he gauged everything like that and he rewarded you if you did it. What was he doing? He's training your soul. He's training your soul to how to react to him at his different keys and what he was saying. How many people have been trained like that? So many have. Or when we see things and if you get real loud and get real Pentecostal, Nothing wrong with Pentecostal because they had one of the greatest moves of God. And sometimes they just carried on that rather got ahead of it rather than got excited because of God. But we're really excited, stuff like that. How many have seen that? You know, they, they've seen that and they, 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 they think because they see that and they see God move. Well, that's how God moves. So what happens when you're, when you're having a, a time and all of a sudden you get really excited about something, you know, this job here, I'm just real excited. I'm real, real excited. Well, it's got to be God. Why? Because our emotions were stirred. And we wanted it. We thought it was a good idea. Was it God? Make it lucky, and it was. Maybe not. I want it where you don't make that mistake. Mistakes are costly. It costs you a lot of your life. It costs you much time. But the biggest cost is people get mad at God. They get mad at God because they miss hearing God because they were trained wrong and they didn't understand. And you know what? It's just people such as myself's responsibility to train. A lot of people don't want to hear this message. This is an essential message to hear because you want to be able and not miss it. So next week what we're going to do is we're going to talk about this some more. And, 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 and I know many of you have been disappointed by things that you thought God said to you. You know, you know, Promises you made, mates that didn't uh, come up to being, jobs that didn't come out to being. Uh, uh, and you may have blamed the enemy from stealing them, and he may have. Maybe you didn't know how to pray them in, or maybe you heard wrong. This kingdom is about learning and trying and making mistakes. You know, somehow it's in us that if we make a mistake, we don't hear God. No. The scriptures are very, very clear. In Romans it says, by practice you learn to discern the difference. Practice means you try something and make mistakes. Practice means you do it over and over and you get it wrong. And that's the reason we're justified once for all, so we can make those mistakes and try. That we would get it right. Because he is looking for a bride that is flat in love with him, that's so excited about him, that wants to be with him at every turn, and is easily guided. Not one he has to jerk around with a bit and bridle. He doesn't want that. He is not looking for a bride 
that's like a mule that he has to put the bit bridle on, as the scriptures say, and you know, put the you know spurs in to get him to go forward, yank him to stop. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for one that he just, I'm over here, you're there. That's where we want to be. That's where we're going to be. But to be there, we really learn have to have to learn how to hear him. And to be there, we really have to make mistakes and trying. And to be there, we have to go forward, you know, and, and do this. So I'm going to give a, a chance for any of you that have felt wounded because you felt that God disappointed you. God doesn't disappoint you. You may have heard wrong. Yet it may be just part of life's teaching of God. He doesn't have everything go, you know. Everything's not always rosy, you know. But whoever been hurt from that and would like some prayer on it, I'd like him to come forward. And I'm going to pray for the rest of your reign. Now, Lord, I just ask your presence on each person here. Oh, okay. We're going to have communion too, so don't run off. I guess we'll, we'll do this first and then do the communion. So, Lord, we just ask that you put a blessing in each person's life. I ask that, that, that the enemy would not be able to steal the seed. And I ask that, that the people would not take offense with this word. The people would not take their judgments on their thoughts of how they think God works and work them into this. But they would be open to see what God's bringing and doing. Uh, that they would be open to hear what you're bringing about, Lord. So I ask you to bless this word. And I ask you to bless it to each and every heart. I ask you to fill each person and fertilize this word. And I ask you to send your angels, your link angels around all the people that the enemy could not come in and steal. And the enemy could come in and plant more weeds. But that it would be a pure, safe place for your word to grow and the truth to be seen. So, Lord, I ask that you'd also give the people, if they find this uh, something that they don't believe, which is fine, I ask that you would give them the patience to allow your Holy Spirit to prove it or disapprove it in their heart. So, Lord, your blessing, your favor. Amen. Before I do, uh, well, I'll, let's do this. Um, Let's do communion right now, and we're going to break up in groups of just a few people to do it. You know, like, what, groups of five? Hey, Karen, groups of five? Yeah. Groups of five. And then what I'm going to ask you to do in this groups of five when you do communion, uh, I want to ask you that, that you would have the people in your group to pray for you if you have been hurt by things you expected were God that may or may not have been God. Uh, and I'd ask all my leaders to be in one of the groups. And it, my leaders should be in each one of these groups just in case, for this. So go ahead, Karen. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Always. Okay, you guys, go ahead. Hang and, on. Uh, Let me turn it on. Go ahead and, and just break up into small groups. Did you talk nice to it or what? Uh, uh,